0: This episode is sponsored by Milk and Honey. Milk and Honey began as a luxury day spa in Austin, Texas, and has since grown to include eight locations across Texas and Los Angeles, California, as well as a line of bath, body, and skincare born from the spa. Milk and Honey sources and uses the safest possible ingredients in both their spa treatments and product lines, which means both choosing organic and making thoughtful, informed choices on safe ingredients. I recently went to their Brentwood location to treat myself to a spa day. In addition to having a wonderful and deeply therapeutic massage, I really appreciated how peaceful and relaxing the spa environment is. The lounge that is available for guests pre and post treatments felt like a little sanctuary and retreat away from the outside hustle and bustle of LA. We are so excited to now be able to offer our listeners a discount at all milk and honey spas, including both LA locations in Culver city and Brentwood. We are even more excited to partner with
1: them to offer a spa package called the courageous wellness retreat, a 60 minute milk and honey signature massage, which is a Swedish massage tailored to your needs focusing on relaxation and stress relief combined with body brushing, an exfoliating and detoxifying treatment that uses a natural bristle brush that you get to take home to stimulate your lymph and circulation while also reviving dull skin. And for all our listeners in any location, their online boutique offers products from the milk and honey line and from other top brands including Osea Malibu, Supergoop, Virtue, Moon Juice, Kula Sun Care, and more. Courageous Wellness listeners can enjoy 20% off your next order at milkandhoney.com and 20% off your first spa service at any milk and honey location with code CW podcast, visit MilkandHoneySpa.com to find a location near you. And if you want to try the courageous wellness spa package at a special discounted rate, use the code courageous wellness retreat to redeem. This is not able to be combined with any other discount or promotion. And you can find all this information in our show notes. My name is Erica Stein,
0: and I'm Allie French, and this is a podcast about individual journeys within wellness and how to navigate it all. After Allie experienced a cancer diagnosis in her 20s, and Erica went through a self-love journey, we created a platform to interview real people from all walks of life that have combined all types of practices. From physical wellness to emotional and spiritual, we hear courageous stories and focus on why it's important to share them. We are both
1: certified integrative nutrition health coaches, and together with our community are learning to live our most purposeful
0: lives by sharing one courageous story at a time. It takes courage to share these journeys, and by talking about them, we aim to destigmatize the process. We want you to be your own health advocate, feel educated and informed on the latest in health and wellness, and empower you to feel your absolute best.
1: And because we want to bring forth a wide variety of stories, the opinions of our guests do not necessarily reflect our own, but we hope the diverse and varied stories will empower you to make the best choices for your own life. So join us as we and our community share our Courageous Wellness. Hi everyone, welcome back to Courageous Wellness. We have a really good episode today with Sonia Joss and... You're going to love it. Her voice is so relaxing and soothing too. So this is is just a great episode to listen to, even just to get into a more relaxed state with tons of great tips and tools. But before we get to it, we are going to do our weekly updates as we always do. And my mind is on acupuncture today because after we finish this recording, Allie, I'm going to head to my acupuncture appointment and we also do cupping. And recently I know I've shared that I started acupuncture and cupping, but we also started herbs Mm -hmm. and it's really cool. I'm, I'm enjoying it. This is my first week on the herbs. And of course, um, I'm not going to share my specific blend because it's obviously specific to my needs and everybody's herbal needs are different, but he, packed me a little pouch of herbs and I make it into a tea two times a day. And I'm really enjoying even just the ritualistic aspect of it. Now I have it with my breakfast and my dinner, this like herbal tea, and it's for my gut, my liver, my chi, my circulation.
0: So we'll see how it goes, but I'm really
1: into my Chinese medicine journey right now.
0: (laughs) I'm really happy you're on it. You know, I obviously loved going to acupuncture for many years and I've done it on and off when I've needed extra support. And actually Sarah Norvillis was on our show. Um, She is my longtime uh, Chinese medicine practitioner. Um, And yeah, I just can't say enough good things. So I'm so happy you're on this journey. And if anybody wants to learn more about TCM and acupuncture and cupping and um, herbalism, they can go and listen to that episode in the courageous wellness archives um yeah, we deep can in link the archives
1: it. i'll link it in our show notes this episode cuz it was a great one and um and what's great is i think i've shared this before too but my insurance covers it and i get to go yes. twice a week and it costs oh my gosh $35 isn't that insane awesome. so um we're able to do a lot of work and um yeah so insurance covers acupuncture, which is wonderful. And we're also doing ear seeds. Have you done ear seeds?
0: No, but I know about them. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We do ear seeds, um, for my shoulder and for my anxiety.
0: Mm -hmm. That's what I've known about it for more. It's the real deal. How long do they stay in for? So he
1: likes me to keep them in for about four days Okay, and they stay through the shower and everything like that. Um, Although I will say I have a lot of hair. I have thick hair and sometimes they have fallen out if I'm mindless when I'm washing your hair washing my hair or putting it up in like a towel afterwards. But, um, I time will tell if they're helping my shoulder. I mean, I'm doing so much for my shoulder with physical therapy and chiropractic and all of that. I have a whole team right now. Um, but the ear seeds really help with relaxation. Like I couldn't believe How calm I felt. Like I, I, I don't know. Who knows? Maybe if you're a skeptic, it's placebo effect. But it, it's interesting too because when he pinches my ear, and um, you know, not pinches, but it doesn't hurt. But you know, he puts the seeds on certain points of the ear, yeah, little and pressure pressure points. points, And it's funny because they don't hurt—not hurt, but I guess hurt for lack of a better word. Like I don't feel any pinch in the areas I don't need the seed, which is kind of crazy. Mm -hmm. So for instance, like I'm having shoulder issues, but where it hurts when he pinches my ear is actually for the neck. Yeah. And it's crazy because my chiropractor told me, and I don't let him crack my neck because it scares me too much, but, um, we stretch my neck and do traction and things like that. But, um, he thinks my shoulder stuff is a neck issue. He thinks it's all connected to my neck. And then here we're doing the ear seeds. And it's the point is my neck. Amazing. And it's um even like, yeah, it's just, it's wild. So if you are having body pain, if you are, even just for mental health stuff, if you're interested in acupuncture, check out, if you do have insurance, check out your insurance provider because
0: he was, some people this, take it some,
1: and this, but this practitioner in my area was highly recommended, like highly, highly wait took me a month to get in and he still takes insurance. Mm-hmm. So it, it's incredible what insurance can do. So, um, I feel lucky to have it. Yeah. <laughs> I feel yeah, lucky to find a, a practitioner people, to take yeah. it.
0: Yeah. Cause a lot yeah. don't, my a chiropractor
1: don't. doesn't and some do. So it, it's, um,
0: it's if hard, you do get I to am... the point where you let your chiropractor crack your neck, I think you should talk about it. I let mine do it. And I have to say every time, like I'm a little nervous, but I just like relax. And it's, <laughs> it's, amazing like yeah the change yeah. that happens but it does take some getting used to some getting uh, used to and, and you we're really doing... do have to relax in order for it to be safe yeah. And effective yeah I, I'm,
1: I'm new to it it's still but we're doing like traction on my neck and yeah. he does really good he doesn't crack it but he stretches it and mm-hmm. it feels it feels so mm-hmm. good and so um I'm definitely in like an investing into my body health right now after I feel like three years of yeah. My body has just gone through it, but which brings me actually to milk and honey, our sponsor, yeah, this, I just you know, seeing. our wonderful longtime sponsor of the show, milk and honey. I've recently started, um, prioritizing more regular massages for their, the benefits to my body and to my mental health. But what's amazing is milk and honey has spas in Chicago, in Los Angeles and all throughout Texas. And they have amazing masseuses. Everyone who has given me a massage has been incredible. I know you've yes. gotten great massages and facials there. They also do med spa treatments. They do so much and you can save 20% at all their spa locations with code CW podcast. And they have an online boutique for everyone else that carries all hyper clean products. They carry major brands like SuperGoop, their own milk and honey line, moon juice, virtue, so many you can save 20% online with code CW podcast. All of that is in our show notes, in our link tree on Instagram, and they're just the best. So really investing right now in my body care, but um, yeah, it's the best investment we can make. Right. So I'm just grateful to have the ability to do that at this moment in time. Yes.
0: And with that, we have a wonderful episode today about um, really learning how to figure out what we value and um, also how to live a more aligned life um, and how that can translate to all different aspects of our life. So with that, should we get to the episode?
1: Yes, let's do it. So award-winning mindset and wellness expert Sonia Joss is no stranger to adversity As the cross-cultural child of immigrants, she struggled with identity, purpose, body image, and all the negative self-talk that comes from not being aligned with one's values. Sonia knew instinctively that she deserved better, and so she gave up her skyrocketing corporate career and began searching for a new path that resonated with her core. Eventually, she transformed her life through deep analysis, education, determination, and willpower. Through her journey, Sonia uncovered a deep passion for wellness, as well as a driving desire to help others. Now, as a mindset and wellness coach, Sonia has taken these hard-earned lessons and made it her mission to help people live their best lives through online talks, speaking engagements, television appearances, and of course, coaching.
0: Sonia's particular brand of healthy living, addresses both the physical and mental aspect of wellness. She encourages holistic exercise for both the body and the mind, leading her clients to long-lasting transformations. She is also the author of the new book, I'll Start Again Tomorrow and Other Lies I've Told Myself, where she breaks the cycle of unrealistic expectations and family pressures to have healthy discussions in the home around body and mindset that sets children and adults up for success. We hope you enjoy the episode as much as we did. Before we get to today's episode, we want to tell you a little bit about the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. Erica and I are both certified integrative health coaches. I have advanced training in hormone health, and she has advanced training in gut health. And we offer health coaching and corporate coaching through the Courageous Wellness Collective. We continued our education and received certification through the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. IIN has taken the lead in the health coaching industry from its inception and provides a comprehensive curriculum that combines nutrition, coaching, and business.
1: We loved the program and have had many listeners ask us about continuing their education in nutrition, health coaching, or even just advancing their personal knowledge about food and nutrition. So we are very excited to be able to offer a discount to Courageous Wellness listeners to study at IIN. The program is completely accessible virtually with lectures led by health, wellness, and medical industry experts. To receive up to $2,500 off your tuition, you can use our names, Ali French or Erica Stein at the time of enrollment to receive the tuition discount. We have also included a link in the show notes that will take you directly to IIN to learn more about their wonderful programs. Welcome, Sonia. We are so excited to have this conversation with you today. And to get us started, can you share with us a little bit about your background and your personal journey to the work that you do today?
2: Yeah. First of all, it's so nice to be here with you ladies. I'm so glad that we are going to be diving deep today. I feel like uh, we're going to have a lot to discuss. Um, It has been a bit of a roller coaster to get here. It has been, I think, a pretty turbulent journey as I think so many people can relate to, you know, when they are doing the thing things, following the evaluation criteria that they have been taught, um, you know, satisfying the ticky marks. I was raised by, you know, pretty traditional South Asian parents who had very specific ideas of what success means, what beauty looks like, what, you know, being a good person sort of involves. And I did my best to sort of play the part and, uh, you know, much to my parents' dismay, I couldn't understand chemistry and physics. So there was no way I was becoming a doctor like my brother. I also couldn't become an engineer, like the same brother, who was also an engineer. He's like an engineer and doctor. So rude. Um, and so I sort of chose the unbeaten path of commerce and, uh, you know, went into business coming straight out of university. Um, you know, and was at like a a top tier executive position at IBM sort of coming out the gate and, uh, I think I felt like I'd really made it, you know, like this was the destination they were talking about when they said, you know, if you do all the thing things, you get to the happy place. And what I found was instead of happiness, this emptiness, this longing, this darkness that I wasn't expecting. And I, I, I had the penthouse and I had the husband and I had all of the things I was convinced that I had spent so many years of my life chasing. And yet I, I, you know, got to the end destination and was looking around being like, no, but where is it? And, and if it's not here, if that feeling isn't here, then how do I get it? And I tried a whole bunch of other things. I, you know, got my executive MBA. I, you know, thought about getting my PhD. I I I still believed that there was something on the outside that could um fill the hole. And when I didn't know what else to do, I unknowingly sort of went on a journey within um and that journey began by repairing my relationship with my body. Um you know, like so many people out there I spent so much of my energy as an adolescent. Just desperately consumed by the idea of being thin enough, beautiful enough. And it was like the hamster wheel of weight loss, you know, up 10 pounds, down 10 pounds, up five pounds, down 15 pounds, up 30 pounds, down five pounds. And it was just exhausting, you know. I think when I got to the age of 25 with all the thing things, and I didn't have anywhere else to go, I was finally honest enough with myself to say, yeah, you actually have to take the journey within to figure out how you're going to wake up every morning and look in the mirror and feel good about what you see. Otherwise this chase is never going to end. And to make a long story short, you know, abandon the timelines, retaught myself the fundamentals of fitness and nutrition, started to unpack all of the narratives you know, that vortex that I had been living in for so many years and came out the other side, yes, with understanding and compassion and freedom for the first time. Also unknowingly the body that I had always been coveting, but more importantly, this passion for wellness, for mindset, for helping people and for really just, you know, wanting to share with people, I think the insights that I had gathered and just, you know, making people feel less alone in the journey because i think you know for me it felt like i was the only one right like it felt like i was the only one with this darkness with this shame with this fear and um i think i think i just i i uncovered like something there for me which evolved tremendously over the last 10 years right what started as fitness and nutrition and really sort of working with people one on one as a coach evolved into the media side of things, being a speaker, releasing my first book and um, furthering my understanding around mindset and just how intricate and nuanced and deep the journey to yourself really is and exhausting and painful and treacherous and it doesn't end. And just when you think it ends, it continues. And so here we are at this phase of the journey with a new book out and, and It's been wild, you know, because when I talk about it, it feels like that was a whole different version of who I was, you know, marching to the beat of somebody else's drum, performing to the point that even I believed my own performance, like I was so good at performing. And now sort of living in this reality where um, authenticity and integrity and just alignment are really the only pillars that I stand by and everything else can sort of crumble to the ground if it needs to. And so here we are.
0: Well, thank you so much for sharing that. And, um, I think what you speak to a little bit with your own story, but, and as well as within the book is something that many people, especially people socialized as women can relate to. And, um, it's interesting that you share that it was such a lonely experience because I think about even though it's such a common experience how many people must feel utterly alone yeah. and exhausted. I, in in that um process there are parts to it that I can deeply relate to I'm sure not to speak for Erica but I'm sure she can as well. And um and then also the ease in which you speak like that you have when you speak now. Actually, I have a beautiful podcasting voice, <laughs> but um, but no, <laughs> just like you. the ease, the ease in which you talk about, like how that felt almost like a different person mm-hmm. versus sort of where you've evolved to now and uh, living with more alignment, and not that it's an easy process, but that you were able to understand the value for yourself in doing that work or going yes. inward, as you said, yes, yes. um. And so I guess maybe let's just start with the striving Mm -hmm. for um, this concept of perfectionism or achievement Mm -hmm. or like external validation. Um, And it's not that, you know, it's not that it's not wonderful to have passions and goals that we want to strive for. But I think what you seem to kind of get, into is the why behind it yes. and um so if we could break that down a little bit where it's like oh well i got this degree and then i got this great job and i you know i found someone that i wanted to partner with and marry and got the penthouse and all these things and yet i still feel mm-hmm. deeply alone in whatever this experience is or deeply unhappy. Um, If someone can relate to that and they're kind of in that place right now, what do you suggest as far as like making observations about being in that space?
2: Yeah. You know, someone can relate to that. Gosh, my heart goes out to them because I think the difficult part about perfectionism and that Chase and that race that we enter ourselves into unknowingly. The challenge is that we're running so hard and we're running so fast, and we deeply believe it, you know, like we believe it in an insidious sort of way, like it's woven into ourselves because it becomes such a habit, it becomes such a pattern. And to get to that point where you can feel that disconnect for the first time, that you can feel the dissonance and that emptiness, and the oh my god, this is not gonna cut it feeling. It means that you're pretty much at your breaking point because perfectionists I say this as a recovering perfectionist perfectionists are so busy in the doing, in the overriding of the feeling mode that. To get to the point where the feelings are woken up means that you are backed into a corner that feels so tight. You know, the suffocation feels so real that you're finally willing to look at the picture for what it is, at least with one eye open, to start to feel and hear those faint whispers that are starting to tell you the, you're not okay, this is not okay, it's not okay. It's not going to be okay until you shift. And what does that shift mean is different for everybody, but to actually be willing to tune in. I think that is my biggest piece of advice for anybody, no matter where you are on the journey, whether you're now in the corner with the husband and the thing things and the career and the money and that emptiness and that darkness is starting to take hold or if you're somewhere along the way, starting to feel like, mm, I don't know, this like doesn't feel so good. And I like thought it was going to feel good, but it's like really not feeling good yet. And like, mm, yeah, that, that high-pitched thing that we do, that is the signal that there's something else brewing underneath. And I think if you can be willing to start to connect the mind and the body, to stop living from the neck up, so in the narration in your head you will actually start to put the pieces together or at least begin to connect the dots, collect the data so that you can in the future put the pieces together. And all of that insight matters. And it's real and it's important. And it's more important than anything that anyone has taught you, whether those people are your parents or those people are social media. It doesn't matter what you feel is pretty much the only important data you need to be collecting. Because if you are a perfectionist, if you are driven, if you are one of those go-getter, goal-getter type of people, the hard work is going to be the easy part for you. The hard work is going to come naturally. Climbing up the mountain is what you're good at. Feeling that kind of heavy lifting, that like gritty pain, the like, I'll show you I'm good enough. I can wake up at 4.45 in the morning. I can be doing 65 billion things at the same time. I'm going to master it all. That feeling is what you thrive off of, even though it's deeply uncomfortable. But what is yeah. more uncomfortable and what is more painful is the connecting within, the the feeling part, the the tuning into the whispers and the twinges. And and if there's any part of you that's being called to do that work, to start to shift the evaluation criteria for yourself, to care if you're happy or not, go there, do that, focus on that is my advice.
0: This episode is brought to you by Odyssey Mushroom Elixir, and Odyssey has an exciting new offer for Courageous Wellness listeners. Listeners can now receive one free can of Odyssey by visiting IWantOdyssey.com to get the next steps on how to redeem your free can. Unlike traditional energy drinks that are loaded with sugar and artificial ingredients, Odyssey is packed with natural ingredients, including functional mushrooms like lion's mane and cordyceps. These mushrooms have been used for centuries to improve mental clarity, increase focus, and boost energy levels. Not only do these mushrooms provide natural energy, but they also
1: have a host of other health benefits. We have done multiple episodes on the power of functional mushrooms and love that they can help support your immune system, reduce inflammation, and even improve your mood. And it tastes really good. As someone who is not drinking alcohol, I also find this to be a fun and functional alternative to bring to parties, have as a post-work drink, and is a great afternoon pick-me-up in a lot of different flavors. So to redeem your free can, visit Iwantodyssey.com and receive a free can of Odyssey mushroom elixir. All information is available in our show notes and in our link tree on Instagram. That's really great. And I think as you mentioned, it can be really scary to feel those feelings, especially after a lifetime of not feeling your feelings and just doing like being a human doing not a human being. Exactly. Um, and I know you go through a lot of this in your book, I'll Start Again Tomorrow and Other Lies I've Told Myself, right? It's, you know, yeah. this book that really outlines your own self-discovery. But for our audience, can you maybe share, I guess it's a two-parter, what are the tangible steps you took to actually start yes. to do this work? Mm-hmm. And how did you deal with those emotions that I'm sure came up that were like, oof, yes, this this is a lot. A feeling right now?
2: Great question. Um, you're right. So much of this is in the book. But what's so great about the book itself, and also totally clown mirror-y as an author, is that the book isn't written for who I am now, right? The book is written for the girl that I used to be. And so the, the tools that I provide in the book are fed through the lens of the struggles that I was having at the time with my body. But the pillars and the content still apply to me today, not through the war with my body, but through so many other aspects of the work that I'm doing today. Like you think writing a book is hard and then you release a book and you're like, okay, here we are again with all of the same work that needs to be readdressed and redone because at every stage of the journey, all of that legacy stuff comes back. Right. And so some of what I'm going to share is through the lens of the body. Some of what it is that I'm going to share is through where I'm at right now, but the the themes are absolutely going to be, I think the same. And the, the first piece I think of the puzzle is to get super clear on your evaluation criteria, right? Like we are so vague when we are chasing and we're racing, we want to be successful. We want to be beautiful. We want someone to love us. We want all the things, but what we're, we're coveting is a feeling, right? What we are coveting is a sense of being self-worth. We are coveting impact. We are coveting passion. We are coveting all sorts of things that yes, can sometimes be amplified by titles and money and things like that. But more often than not, we're Arbitrarily flying blind, hoping that something is going to do the trick, like losing the 10 pounds or getting the next promotion. And we are running for it and we're gunning for it and we're doing the work. What's fascinating, though, and for me, you know, when I looked around at my life at the age of 25, being like, okay, but like a single-handedly created this existence. Like I was a full-fledged participant. I was captain here, leading myself throughout the journey. And yet none of this feels like the real Sonia, but then who's the real Sonia? And in going on an exploration of uncovering my values. And I hate the word values, right? Because it's like values, you need to have values like integrity and like, you know, giving back to people and we just need to do honesty. It feels so surface level, right? It's almost like hashtag blessed. Like, does it even mean anything anymore? But when I think about it as evaluation criteria, that's when it gets tangible for me. You can tell that I'm like someone that likes Excel spreadsheets and stuff, right? Like it becomes the evaluation criteria that I can feed my decisions through, right? When you are clear on what actually matters to you, your why, your alignment, what you believe the highest version of yourself is going to stand for, you suddenly have a framework that you are able to build a life around, which sounds really big, but it translates into clarity for the big decisions and the small decisions and the smaller decisions and the micro decisions. Like, did you snooze your alarm this morning? Are you going to eat a box of cookies? Are you going to do 90 minutes of fasted cardio? Are you going to gun for the promotion? Are you going to quit your job and become an entrepreneur? All the things that feel vague and hard and complicated and too big for us to navigate. And so we just sort of follow the formula that we've been given. Those things become clearer and clearer to navigate when you know what's important to you. And so whether it's about your body or whether it's about the relationship or the job, I think the first step in any journey within is what do you really want And you don't get to be vague about it anymore, right? And I think in that starting point for me, that was where I started to tease out the nuances of, oh, I don't want to be successful with the corporate salary that I thought that I wanted. I need to feel connection to people and what it is that I'm doing. I didn't know that before right? I wasn't, yes, I was a consultant. So I was interacting with people. I had good people, skills, et cetera, et cetera. But I didn't realize that such a fundamental component of who I was and what I wanted to be when I grew up was a person who can connect with people, someone who can find a calling that is uniquely her own, someone that is going to have an impact in an area that I believe Only I can serve in the ways that I can serve. And these are not things that I knew, but you can see how I did gravitate towards a skills career. I did gravitate towards being a consultant. I was sort of problem solving. Now, turns out I hate technology. There's no version, there's no amount of money you can pay me to talk about servers, IBM. Okay, so it's not gonna happen. But those themes were showing up. What I was gravitating towards were showing up. I just wasn't getting precise around that inner calling right? Authenticity and integrity and all those things, they were big, vague words to me before. But in going through sort of the exercises and, you know, really doing the work, it was where I was able to tease out what those big, weird, vague words really meant for me. And then again, in that clarity, I was able to create new evaluation criteria to feed my decisions through. And I think what happens when we have evaluation criteria for our life is that the cycle becomes really positive, right? So as opposed to it being the vortex, very heady, predisposed to being negative, which frankly I am, it becomes, I've got evaluation criteria. Yes, I have to tap into courage to make aligned decisions. That process of making aligned decisions becomes faster because I do have evaluation criteria. I make the decisions easier, faster, and I have greater satisfaction from the decisions that I make. I feel better because of them, which reinforces my values and evaluation criteria. And it becomes this really beautiful cycle of reinforcement around who am I, what do I stand for, and how am I willing to build a life around that? So that to me is is the fundamental starting point. That's where we go away from the house of cards and build a strong foundation for ourselves. And then there's other things which we can talk about, but I'll give you like a second because I know that I just did like weird diagrams with my hands and frameworks and things. And so you let me know if we're just going to charge forward or if there's anything there that you're like, unpack that more.
0: Um. Well, no, thank you. I mean, thank you for breaking that down. I think you present it in a clear way. And I love, I love thinking about values as um, evaluation criteria because it, it does bring it from the vague sort Mm -hmm. of generic idea of something that we all should have to allowing us to get clear on what actually is important to us versus what something we might just be sort of like programmed to think should be important. Absolutely. And, And everything is also just kind of created has been created by people like so what and and I think when we deal with like major cultural things it's really really um sometimes just even hard to be aware of them as something that's been imposed upon it
2: is it's so hard it's really like for like 29 years of my life believing that I had to have long hair in order to be considered beautiful. It wasn't something anyone said. My like big brown parents weren't like, yeah, gotta have hair down to your butt. But I knew somewhere in every cell of my body that to be a attractive South Asian woman, I need to have long flowy hair. It was just a given until one day, one day being when Brianna had her like first short haircut, (laughs) my husband was like, I'm pretty sure you should just like cut off all your hair and do that. And I was like, I mean, that's absurd. That's like the stupidest thing I've ever heard anybody say. And yet also I was like, oh my God, but like, you're so right. Why couldn't I do that? Maybe that would be the only thing I've ever actually wanted, but have never actually acknowledged to myself because I didn't even think it was a paradigm shift I could make not right. knowing that it was so woven in. And now I give an example that's so silly, it's hair. But but I think, you know, we, we, we don't even realize, especially when we've got, you know, typically immigrant parents, these strong cultural programmings that are sort of woven into us, how much we have shifted the fundamental backdrop of our lives
0: to accommodate those ideas, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I know that we talk about it in the context too of even, and you, you talk about this too in your book, the context of diet culture and even mm-hmm. in wellness, um, the idea of like diet culture being packaged as just like health with a bow on it, but it's still yes. just like the same thing and new clothing and like, mm-hmm. and and this idea of even being overwhelmed by how much information there is out there where it's like, oh, I should just do what this magazine says I should be doing. Or this, well, I guess it's like I'm dating myself a little bit. Or this Instagram account <laughs> says it's I like, should be I doing. like, I remember the magazines. Magazines, I know. I know. It's how we all grew up. But it's like, oh, um, you know, and it was, I remember reading for the first time, even the whole like, um, like initial sort of trend of intermittent fasting mm-hmm. where there can be a time and a space for it but it's not like uh, basically i was reading the fact that like um most of the original studies were all done on men of a certain age so th- mm-hmm. so this not not all of that like data that's being presented especially in magazines is relevant to mm-hmm many of the people that are reading it or Absolutely. doesn't take into consideration bioindividuality and other Absolutely. complex nuance. And so yes. this idea of even in the health and wellness space, just kind of divesting from this historic imposed idea of like, well, if I'm actually just like in this crazy cycle of unhealthy diet culture mentality, I'm actually doing something healthy for myself mm-hmm. like and to mm-hmm. try to really really separate those two things yes. and um start with like a new sense of curiosity uh, just that's just one other example but it's Absolutely. it's all it's it can be all consuming when we're not even aware of th- what is being imposed on our be- mm-hmm. belief sets mm-hmm. and where they're coming Absolutely. from So I think some of the things that you go through in your book, and obviously we recommend anybody listening, you can obviously get more detail if you read it, but there are, um, it really breaks down and gives some tangible sort of places to start exercises, things to do to really kind of develop a sense of curiosity around those things, I think as well.
2: Yeah. And I think, you know, you touched upon the word beliefs, which I think is so perfect Mm -hmm. because, you know, we go from values and evaluation criteria is laying a new foundation, but the next step is the beliefs, right? The beliefs and fundamentally the limiting beliefs we carry, right? I I don't think that many of us understand that the lies we tell ourselves, the stories we're telling ourselves are fundamentally taking us down the path of a predetermined future that we more often than not don't want, right? Because we want the safety of knowing that we're right. We like the security of knowing that we can predict the outcome and that even in that discomfort, there is comfort because it's familiar. And I think until we're willing to really look at our limiting beliefs in their most honest versions, not the clean packaged versions, but the honest, really mean, but subtle versions. I think that's where the work begins to untangle the mess, untangle the truths and the lies and the stories to really discern fact from fiction and to be able to begin the process of rewriting them, creating new narratives and finding language that is so precisely your own where you're not relying on these like weird fake affirmations, like live, laugh, love, but rather, you know, language that is uniquely going to proactively combat the stuff that you're saying to yourself on overdrive, right? And I think, you know, when we use the word affirmations, again, it feels like platitudes, like these like fluffy statements we're going to say to ourselves. But when you sort of abandon the Instagram version, and you come back to the fact that We are constantly telling ourselves things that are frankly harmful on the inside, but we're not willing to acknowledge them. When we're able to look at those and dissect them, the precision with which we can actually create affirmations that are uniquely our own, that feel very precise, that precision becomes really powerful. Because you really identify with them. You really can adopt them as the mantras you're saying to yourself every morning when you wake up, anytime the feelings are coming up, anytime the activation is happening, right? And I think, you know, that that mind body connection that we talked about, one of the biggest pieces that I do even now to this day, is when the overwhelm starts, when I can start to hear the noise, when I can clue into that feeling. And again, it's now the, oh, I can feel it in my stomach. Something's coming up. It's like, I will get out my notebook and I will verbal diarrhea on a piece of paper, Mm -hmm. every fear, every limiting belief, everything that is coming up for me, that is making me feel like, Oh God, the walls are closing in that tightness in my core, that tightness all around. And I don't do anything with it right then. It's not like I'm like, I wrote my limiting beliefs and then I'm going to unpack my limiting beliefs. No, verbal diarrhea. I get it out on paper. I put it away. Because like, I am not to be trusted. I am not to be trusted at this time. I'm having feelings. It's not feeling good. And I need to just start the process of the release. Yeah, And there is a little bit of catharsis that comes from that, right? You feel an immediate like, okay, I got it out on paper. I can come back to worrying about this later. And then you move on with your life, right? But usually what happens then is when I've had some space, you know, the kids are in bed. I am willing to, again, sort of look at that. You know, I feel like I've got the mental bandwidth to look at it. I pull out the notebook and I go line by line and I start to dissect the fear and dissect the limiting beliefs. And I start to throw shade at the limiting beliefs with evidence from my current life, right? My current reality, not little Sonia who's in there panicking, having a heart attack about the fact that she's not good enough. But what is the evidence I can take from my current existence that is actually not in support of these hypotheses that I'm making? And I break them down and I find new evidence. And then I find new language that I can use to rewrite those statements for myself that I can actually believe in. Usually they're evidence-based because like I'm Again, a bit mathy as opposed to being like on the woo, but you know, in that process, what ends up happening is again, there's a few affirmations that come up for me, right? I've got new language that is not suppressing what it is that I was feeling or suppressing and denying myself from having these fears and limiting beliefs and stories, but rather allowing me to honor them, look at them for what they are and to give myself the comfort that I need to say, I got this, I'm safe. It's okay. And here's why. And then those affirmations are the mantras. I will start my day with the next day. And I take that responsibility, right? I take that control back to say, "Mm -mm, grown up Sonia's in charge. Here's what we're doing. Little Sonia get with the program. And then there's new tangible action that can be taken. But I think so few of us want to do this kind of work because who wants to wake up to the mess inside? It's exhausting and it's, not as black and white as you're sitting there being like, well, you're not smart and you're not pretty and you're not good. And it's not like that. You know, my limiting beliefs are very cautionary. They're like, let's not be childish here. Yes. You know, you want to go for this opportunity, but you know, you're good. You're just not good enough necessarily to be in that arena and so let's not be dramatic let's not be childish here let's come back to the practical work let's stay in our lane let's stay focused let's be grown up and again you know even as i'm saying it i'm like i i kind of sound like my mom like i kind of sound like My mom trying to be like, okay, cute, Sonia, you want to be on TV? Adorable, but let's not be childish here. Let's get back to the work and apply to the corporate job, right? Like it's that subtle information in disguise that we have to look at to really say, actually, that's like totally holding me back. That's like not at all accurate. In fact, that is kind of mean. And why do I think that way about myself? And maybe this is something that I want based on my evaluation criteria And why do I believe I can't have it? What's coming up there, right? And so, again, sort of you mentioned earlier this idea of curiosity. When we're willing to look at the narrative with curiosity, it doesn't have to feel so big, so scary, so haunting. You actually can just allow it to be what it is, but then be like, what what would I prefer instead? What kind of language would I prefer instead? How would I prefer... To show up for myself, what would be an ideal state for me here if I wasn't operating with this programming? Yeah. it, It doesn't happen overnight, but at least you begin the process of starting to be like your own friend instead of your own frenemy, right?
1: Yeah. It's so, it's beautiful. And I love how individual. It is, right? Because mm-hmm. I think sometimes, especially, and it's it's okay to do this. I think when we start to do the work or we're exploring that curiosity, we can find people who we identify with and maybe take on their mantras and take yeah. on their practices. Which but, is a great place to start. Yeah, but you I bet. love that through this work, you're able to really find your own. And it reminds me a lot of um, IFS parts therapy too, yes. especially when you're talking mm-hmm. about like little Sonia and grown up Sonia is now here. And I, I really resonate with that kind of work because I think a lot of us are operating for me. It's like my inner 12 year old Uh is minus eight. eight, eight. Absolutely. yeah. Yeah. So 12 year old Erica tries to run the show all the time. Mm -hmm. And 34 year old Erica needs to take control, but it's hard. It's very hard to do. And, and I think these are really practical ways to, to get into your body in this way. We are so excited to offer our listeners a new discount to one of the best probiotic supplements on the market. Seed. If you are a regular listener of the podcast, then you know that Ali and I are both very serious when it comes to the importance of gut health and building a thriving microbiome. I personally have been using seed for close to a year now, and have noticed a big difference in my digestion and bloating. I am devoted to taking seed every single morning before food, and am really excited to share their daily symbiotic with our audience. The formulation of the daily symbiotic combines a probiotic and prebiotic, is vegan and gluten-free and includes 24 clinically studied, naturally occurring strains, not found in yogurt or fermented foods and beverages, and lives up to the highest standards for human and planetary health.
0: Yes, and in addition to being a really reliable probiotic and prebiotic supplement, Seed is committed to creating science-based education for all those that partner with them through accountable advertising at Seed University. This is where we are all committed to not spreading misinformation about health on the internet. Pretty important, right? Also, I personally love their commitment to sustainability with a refill system and all recyclable or biodegradable packaging materials. Erica and I only advertise products that we use and feel are of benefit to us and by extension could be of value to our community as well. If you would like to order seed daily symbiotics to incorporate into your own gut health routine, go to seed.com and use the code courageous 15 at checkout for 15% off or click on the link in our show notes.
1: You're also a mother now, right? <laughs> and I know you do a lot of work as well in how we cannot bring this to our children. Yeah. And I'm just curious what you suggest or how you suggest right um especially as women who grew up, you know, in the 90s and early 2000s. <sighs> Oh my gosh, like I remember, um, and my body's just not built that way. And that took nope. me so long to learn, but I'm like five, eight. <laughs> I have a, definitely a curvier body. And I wanted to look like Mary Kate and Ashley Olson when I was never growing up, them. who are yes. like five feet yes. and probably like 90 pounds. And that, Literally. that just never would be my body. But obviously, this stuff is really ingrained in us. And how mm. do we not pass it down to our children?
2: That's a great question. And I, I do have an eight-year-old daughter. So uh, to say that all of this is very top of mind, I think is, you know, the understatement, right? Because there's the journey that I'm on as an individual, but then the journey that I'm on as a mother is so much a part of the journey that I'm on as an individual, right? Because it's it's all the same. And In order to be able to lead the way and pave a path for my daughter, I, again, have to have even more clarity around who am I and what do I stand for and what do I really believe? And I think, you know, a few themes that I have felt are important so far, especially coming from, you know, a backdrop of suffering from many eating disorders myself, and having a very turbulent relationship with my parents, albeit they didn't know that I had a turbulent relationship with them because I was just, you know, abiding by the principles and hiding myself. Um, But I think, you know, when it comes to my daughter and her relationship with her body and food and identity and beauty, um, first and foremost, I think I focus on being human with her. You know, one of the things that I found with my parents, again, with that, like, don't be childish, let's focus on what really matters narrative is that nobody ever told me that they struggled. My parents never told me how hard anything was for them ever. They didn't tell me about their experiences growing up. They didn't tell me about their challenges. They didn't tell me that they ever wanted to look a certain way and had to reconcile their identity and, you know, their body and, and, and all the changes and, and, and yes, you know, they were in a different generation and it was a different world that they were living in. But fundamentally, I think I felt like I was alone on a journey by myself, winging it and frankly, shielding my parents from the disappointment of the fact that like, it wasn't just cookie cutter, straight and perfect for me. And so the biggest piece, I think, when it comes to my daughter, Aria, is like, how do I show up as a human being here with her? How do I create a safe environment for her through my own sharing? Now, I don't mean like I go air my dirty laundry with her and be like, your dad is an asshole. Like, obviously not. You know, if I get into a fight, I don't go run to her room. She's not my best friend. But the point is that I am creating, I think, a dialogue with her on, of honesty and safety and communication where, you know, I can talk about, you know, how my perspectives have changed around fitness and nutrition and the things that I used to do or the things that I do differently. And I may be in like a bit of a different position than a lot of people because like I'm on TV and she's watching me talk about it there. And then I'm working out in the basement and, and she's seeing, and I wrote a book about it, right? So like she's seeing that this is so much a part of the foreground of my life But what I really try and do is also give her all of the background of my existence and my life so that when the thoughts start creeping up for her, because they're going to, right? We can pretend like, no, no, it's going to be different. Absolutely not. They're growing up with social media. It's going to be psychotic. Run for your lives, everybody, right? Like we know that this is happening. We know that it's going to be, you know, even deeper than what it is that we went through with the magazines. And so I think, you know, in creating that honesty and in creating that relationship, I'm not encouraging her to go into the, you know, realm of you. So you're going to hate your body and you should hate your body too, but rather it's okay when that starts to change for you. And if the twingy feeling comes, I want you to come to me and let's unpack it. You know, if your best friend, Ella is wearing low rise jeans, also tell me because God forbid low rise genes ever come back. Like I will take a stand. I will go and lobby against the government. I don't care what it takes. Like I'm not open to this again, but you know, it's like, I think just creating that discussion point that is appropriate for their age again, like let's respect boundaries. Let's respect what they're capable of understanding. But really I think honoring that relationship primarily between mother and daughter or grandmother and granddaughter aunt and look, it doesn't motherly figure woman nurturing person whatever you want to call it i think there's something so important about that because when our children can feel safe in talking about their feelings you get to get into the passenger seat with them and frankly, you're in the driver's seat for a while and then you'll be in the passenger seat, right? Depending on what age they are. But at least you're welcome in the car. And in my version of reality, as long as I get to stay in the car with her, I can help her navigate the GPS. And I've got the tools for that because I'm doing the work and I'm going to continue doing the work and my work is going to be her work, right? But if she kicks me out of the car or if she starts to drive a motorcycle on her own and there's no way for me to be because she's actually driving away from me trying to protect my feelings... Then we end up in the same situation that I was in with my parents, where I'm on my own road trip. They have no idea. They think I'm upstairs in my room studying. And here we go. I've got a secret boyfriend, right? So I think that's the landscape that feels really critical to me. Then the other pieces build off of that. So emphasizing the understanding so early on that the reason that I work out, the reason that I eat well, the reason that I ebb and flow. The reason that I get excited when I find spicy popcorn at the grocery store and will buy four bags because like, God forbid they run out again and I will hoard it because like mama needs her popcorn. Like the reason that all of this is happening is because I am building strength. I'm not focusing on size. I am focused on health and well-being now. I'm not focused on aesthetics. I'm on a journey to maximize my potential and my capacity. I'm not trying to fit myself into molds that look like skinny jeans, but also giving her the backdrop around the times that I did do that and what that felt like, right? And the fact that I'm not a robot, I'm not an exercise doing robot that's trying to accomplish something. I'm changing and learning and growing with my body, even at this stage, And sometimes that's going to involve more spicy popcorn. And sometimes that's going to involve more heavy lifting. And sometimes that's going to involve taking a break for three weeks to really honor the fact that I'm burnt out and I need to sleep and that I should have been taking the signals and the clues earlier on not to get to this point. And I think, again, in building that narrative around strength, wellness, well-being, potential capacity, shifting the language away from size shifting the language away from beauty. And also I think, you know, once again, reminding our children that like there's no end destination because just when you think you've understood your body, you're going to get your period. And then you're going to end up with, you know, curves and shifts and then menopause and the things, and it never ends. And again, I think just, just, just bringing them along with that ebb and flow is so critical. And then finally I'll leave it here. Unpacking the cesspool that is social media, (laughs) you know, and, and honoring the fact that it's not going to go anywhere. And that, you know, this is something that our children are going to be exposed to, but doing everything we can to balance that reality out for them um, without creating unrealistic limitations, I think is so much a part of what parenting is about. And now I'm a bit lucky because, you know, with Aria, it's like, well, mom's on Instagram, like, ew, because it's like, I've essentially gone and made Instagram not cool. But I mean, as we know, there's probably like 85 other platforms that like the young people care about now. And I am a loser who's on Instagram and she is going to be on something else. And so this little, you know, bonus for me is going to end pretty soon, but for now, she's, she's pretty turned off by it. Cause she's just like, Oh God, are you gonna like maybe like pose for a photo? I hate taking photos. And you're like, amazing. Hate taking photos for the rest of your life. excellent You know?
0: Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. I think that's, you know, we do have a lot of parents who listen to and, or people kind of moving into that phase of their life yes. perhaps, um, as listeners. So I just think it's, a, it's a really kind of vital thing to touch on and helpful for all of us to hear mm-hmm. because even if you're just someone who is, um, as you said, like a, a figure in a younger person's life, it's impactful in the way that we talk to ourselves in the way that we, um, communicate about this kind of stuff. So, so true. I really appreciate you weighing in on that today. Thank and, you. um, as we begin to wrap up, we ask all of our guests three sort of fun wrap-up questions. Okay. So the first one you hit on a little bit, but um, what does your day-to-day self-care look like, and do you have any non-negotiables for yourself? Hmm. Really good
2: question. Uh, wake up in the morning. Uh, do a workout somewhere between twenty and forty minutes. Um, inversion table. Hanging upside down because my back is not my friend. Um, and then I will do some version of journaling combined with either breath work, body scan, meditation, something or another. Um, I do all of this before the kids wake up because what I've found is that uh even with the best of intentions if the kids are awake and I get into the vortex that they orbit in, then I will compromise my self-care no matter how dedicated I am. Uh, and so, yeah, I would say that non-negotiables are the journaling and some form of breathwork, meditation, or body scanning. And I say that because those three options for me are the best way to like sew my head back on my body and connect the two
1: because i'm so heady and so
2: disconnected fundamentally that's
1: great great self care practices <laughs> um the next question we always ask is what does being courageous mean to you ooh
2: tuning in you know one of the things that i have been learning more and more is that I am excellent at being courageous when it comes to making the big, scary, massive decisions, like calling off a wedding or quitting your entire corporate career. But it's because I back myself into a corner so tight that it feels like life or death. And when you're faced with life or death, then you'll become the lion instead of being chased by a lion, right? Courage is being willing to tune in every little step of the way in every day and choosing not to override, to listen, to collect the data and to have the insight to pause, to allow, to receive without making big panicky decisions until there's clarity. And so to me, courage is quiet and it's small and it's moment to moment so that you don't have to constantly break down the entire structure of your life to build anew.
0: Yeah, I like that. And then the final question is in addition to your own book, of course, do you have any books that have been particularly inspirational to you? And it can really be on any subject.
2: Oh gosh. Okay, I'll rhyme off a few. Um okay. The Untethered Soul. Mm-hmm. Conversations with God. Daring Greatly. God, everything. Brene Brown, come yeah. on. Um The Mountain is You. Uh uh, frankly, anything Brianna West also, like she just now become like my life coach through books. Uh yeah, we'll maybe stop there. But yeah. as you can tell, some some pretty lot. commonality, <laughs> you know, themes yeah. there. Um, where it's like, oh gosh, go on the journey. You're connected to source, you're not alone, stay on the journey, keep
0: going. Yes. Yeah. Well, thank you again for everything today. If anyone wants to uh, find you, follow you, buy your book, where can they do that?
2: Oh, so sweet. Uh, I'm at Sonia Joss on all social media platforms. Joss sounds complicated, but it's J H A S and Sonia's S O N I A. Same thing, soniajoss.com. That's sort of the website and where um you can get access to our free momentum portal. Um, and in that portal, just sort of a collection of the resources that I use on a daily basis to keep myself on the right path on the journey. Um, and we sort of, you know, just keep updating those season to season with more and more of what it is that I'm personally using to, again, keep myself aligned. Um, and then in terms of the book, it is, I guess, everywhere that you can buy books online, uh, including the ebook and the audiobook. And, um, yeah, I think I might be the most partial to the audiobook version, only because the book is written so heavily in my voice, mm-hmm. and so, yeah, it just feels like it's the lazier but easier version of getting what you're going to need from it. Um, and yeah. I hope that, you know, if anyone chooses to buy it, that uh, it just, you know, connects with them and resonates and, and that if nothing else, they feel less alone in the journey that they're on. Well, thank you. And thank you again for joining us today. Thank you. Such a pleasure.
0: Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Courageous Wellness. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode featuring a different guest each week